Welcome to a Monday edition of Jocks and Locks on President's Day, and uh, glad to glad you could join us today. Uh, joined by no other than Rhino. Rhino, how are you today, bud? Doing well, Dewey. How about yourself? Good. It was a good, good weekend. Good weekend. Good weekend. For Absolutely. Sure. Yeah, there was a handful of good college basketball games. Uh, some we were right on. Some we were completely wrong on uh we'll go down the list of those in just a second uh want to touch obviously on the nba all-star game last night uh seven 178 164 win for team lebron over team Giannis. and you know i uh i, I didn't know how i was going to react when i watched the game and actually kind of enjoyed it uh what did you enjoy about game, that? Well, I think what the All-Star game is, is it's really a microcosm of the NBA season as a whole. Uh, you know, the first part of the year, teams are feeling each other out. Defense is sporadic. And then later on in the game in the fourth quarter, similar to the postseason, people dial it up. And we see the best athletes that played the game of basketball in the world compete at the highest level. Uh, you know, I don't watch the all-star game to you know, watch a box in one or a two, three zone or, uh, you know, great pick and rolls. But what I do watch is the true athleticism and talent on the floor. And to watch seven footers that can hit shots from all over the court, and guys like Kevin Durant, Giannis, uh, the likes of Steph Curry, who can, I think, hit a shot from anywhere uh, on the court. I just enjoy watching talented individuals play a sport, and that's what we had last night. So it's nothing that, uh, you know, is, quote, a bad thing. I just think it's something we have to – kind of embrace that that's what the NBA kind of is. What the hell is your problem with it? Well, I, I just, I just, I don't know. I, I, I can't sit there and watch guys just run down the floor and dunk it every time or, or just, you know, I, I do think there's some aspects of it that's interesting. For instance, I love um, one of the things that I did enjoy, though there's very few. Um, I, I did enjoy watching Paul George use James Harden's signature move on him a couple times. Um, but you know, I, I think there's just, you know, one of the things that I think would be interesting is if they did, you know, just those one-on-one matchups between the guys and just, you know, seeing that stuff. And, and instead we just get a bunch of alley-oops and dunks, which are, are fun, but after a while it just gets annoying. Um, one of the things that I thought would have been really cool though, um, and would have been a, a, a good opportunity for him would, would have been Ben Simmons throwing up threes. I think this was the game he needed to do that, and he didn't shoot a single three-pointer. Yeah, but we want to see something that's fun, that, that's actually, you know, we're talking about all-stars, and Ben Simmons can't shoot. So I really don't want to watch Ben Simmons shoot uh, air ball after air ball and clank balls off the back iron. I mean, I, he's just, if he's not going to dedicate himself to shooting the basketball, I just don't want to see it. Just do what you do, and if, if somebody can't stop you and, and they know what's coming, then too bad for them. Uh, but I just – I'm not into watching Ben Simmons throw up rocks all night. I'd rather watch Damian Lillard hit from anywhere in the anywhere on the court and watch KD 
walk guys down. Now, I'll tell you my favorite part of the night, though, and a guy that I think has always gone undervalued and underappreciated and will obviously be a first ballot Hall of Famer and I would think, in my opinion, is a top uh, 15 player to ever play the game is Dirk Nowitzki. Mm-hmm. And watching him last night rain threes back-to-back-to-back, uh, to back to back, uh, it was just simply kind of poetic for Dirk and, and him to walk away this year and not have to do the whole Fairweather tour, kind of like what Wade has done. I respect him, but, you know, Dirk's just been a consummate professional and has stayed in Dallas his entire career and has just been one of those guys that uh, has been revered and will be revered in the NBA what are your thoughts on uh, the career of Dirk Nowitzki and Dwayne Wade? Well, first of all, I got, I got to tip my cap to the commissioner for doing what he did, putting them in. Um, I thought that was a really awesome move. Um, it added an element to the game that was interesting. Um, as far as Dirk and, and D. Wade, obviously phenomenal careers. I think Dirk especially revolutionized the game, um, and, and, and it speaks today with how many big guys – step out and, and, and shoot those kind of shots that, that Dirk was really one of the first ones to do it. Um, and, and how can you not like either one of those guys? They're just both class acts, um, love the game of basketball. They played it because of that reason, did things off the court that were phenomenal. Um, you know, a lot of these guys can get, get into the weeds a little bit and can, can you know, have reputational damage. They, they weren't, um, they were phenomenal athletes and then like I had mentioned off off the court even better people um so great careers for both of them and I have nothing but respect for each of them yeah well said uh we're gonna jump right now back into some college basketball uh, over the weekend there was a handful of games a couple that we liked on Friday night uh, for Saturday's slate we picked out and uh one that was definitely uh Rhino was on the wrong side of was uh, Michigan and Maryland Michigan mm-hmm. Hosted Maryland and uh, kind of just stymied in the entire game. Made a couple runs, but Maryland just simply didn't have enough in them. And, and Michigan kind of rolled through that game, covered their six and a half. We were both wrong. I, I thought Michigan would win, win really tight. And Rhino had the other side of the coin and thought Maryland was going to pull the upset off. And that did not happen. Uh, Kansas State also went down at home. I'm sick and tired of, of guessing who's going to be the lucky winner in the Big 12. Every time I pick a team, they decide to it's a, it's uh, a, head down it's a, head head down the wrong way. So what? So whatever I pick, bet bet against or bet the other side of, of what I pick or, or believe because Iowa State shoots lights out from beyond the arc, 14 and 24 from three, and uh, buried Kansas State, especially after their preseason Big 12 Player of the Year, Dean Wade, uh, was hurt and left the game and was outscored 23-14 after he left the game. And K-State just really couldn't uh, really couldn't get back into that game and, and lost on their home turf. Now, they have a tough night, uh, a tough game tonight where they actually have to go on the road to West Virginia, who is inept, but still going on the road across country isn't an easy, uh, isn't an easy travel, travel schedule. So we shall see if Kansas State can bounce back. And Dean Wade is actually questionable to doubtful in that game. Uh, the game... Another game that Rhino had did have correctly was Texas Tech over Baylor. I really didn't have a dog in that fight, but I thought uh, Rhino had a pretty good analysis of that game. Texas Tech just came out and dominated Baylor. They're starting to play a little bit better defensively. 
they have been great all year, but that offense is starting to roll a little bit, and Baylor's starting to take a turn for the worst. Uh, right after I predicted they were going to go on some type of run, they went in the uh, toilet. So Again, Baylor, another, another Big 12 team there for you that you were right. – uh, Struggling with. Big 12, right. So, so the Big 12 has not treated me well. And last but not least, my lock of the lock of Friday was a complete dumpster fire. I chose the Tennessee Volunteers to roll into Rupp Arena and shock UK. And actually, I shouldn't say shock, beat UK. And UK rolled Tennessee. Uh, watched all that game. And, you know, Tennessee just looked a step slow. They, they didn't look like uh, the, the Tennessee team I had seen all year, maybe it's because uh, they haven't played a, a, a terribly tough schedule, although they'd had, you know, their two losses to North Carolina and uh, I believe Gonzaga, if I'm not mistaken, excuse me, they played Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, this, this loss for me, I think is actually going to propel them and uh, help them get a little bit stronger down the stretch. I think it was a wake up call for them. They've been cruising. I uh, listened to Grant Williams had a quote about a week and a half ago after they had won, obviously, so many games in a row. And he said they were kind of getting sick and tired of winning. I know it sounds crazy, but it's hard to keep getting motivated when you keep beating teams up so bad. And they got shell-shocked a little bit going into Rupp Arena. I should have listened uh, to a statistic that's pretty pretty imperative that, you know, Kentucky hasn't lost back-to-back, road, or back-to-back home games under Calipari at Rupp Arena. And after losing to LSU uh, earlier last week, you know, they were, they were, it was probably in the cards for UK to win a big game, and they did. And hats off to them. I think the U showed up. And I think UK needed this game more than Tennessee really did in the grand scheme of things. I think UK is still trying to prove they're a top seed. Uh, we're going to unveil our, our top 16 seeds and, and regions uh, later on in the show. And uh, we'll see where those, those, those two teams – uh, sit in our rankings, but, you know, I just thought Kentucky did what they needed to do, and they punched t- Tennessee in the mouth, and Tennessee really didn't have an answer. What do you, what'd you think about the game right now? Well, you know, it's uh, it's two big big uh, games on, on the Saturday slate that I've gotten right now, um, though I was not 100, you know, not fully convinced about the, the, the cover for Kentucky at the time. Um, I, I just went with it, um, and, and it was shocking to me. The score was shocking. Um, I, I only was able to watch a, a handful of minutes of that game. Um, but I think to me, you know, like you had, like you had said, does Tennessee come back from this and it, it, it was it really needed for them to, uh, propel them? I think this could be kind of the moment of the season where it goes the other way. And as I mentioned in, in previous episode that I think, that will get bounced in the first one of the first two rounds of the tournament. So I think uh, this could be kind of the end of that. What I, what I think is an overachieving group more. So um, I'm a big talent guy, as I've mentioned. And so we'll we'll see what happens, but I was shocked by the overall score of it and it's good for Kentucky. They needed that win. Um, And we'll see what happens with Tennessee. Well, I'll tell you what, if you're a big talent guy, you should love the NBA All-Star game because <laughs> I think ten, I think Tennessee, uh, if you're talking about college basketball in a cohesive unit, Tennessee is a team that, that replicates what that is. And I think Tennessee is going to be stronger from losing that game and coming back. And I know Rick Garden's going to be up their ass this week 
uh, to get them back on track. So I have no doubts about Tennessee. If anything, this affirms my belief that I think Tennessee is going to be representing uh, uh, the region they come out of, and they're going to be in the national title game, and whoever the hell they face, they're going to beat. I just think Tennessee is the best team in the country. I'm going to stick to it. I could be wrong, but I'm going to stick to my guns. Uh, anyone who had Houston on Sunday, minus 10 uh, in the first half. You had the first half of Houston covering minus 10. I'm sorry, but you must have had an uneasy Sunday. Uh, they were <laughs> up as much as 17 at one point in the first half. Uh, then I believe uh, dwindled that lead and lost, that, lost the lead and did not cover the first half of 10, but then on the same game won by 35. So Houston then turned on the afterburners in the second half and fully covered. So uh, I was told to mention that uh, by one of our listeners, and I appreciate you guys listening out there. Please follow us on our Twitter uh, Twitter handle, at Jocks and Locks. It's at Jocks and Locks, J-O-C-K-S-A-N-D-L-O-C-K-S. And email us at uh, Locks at gmail.com. I want to mention one other thing before we get into a little batting practice and talk a little baseball for you. Uh, we mentioned on Friday we had a big rant regarding Matt Kuchar and the caddy payment after the win that he had down in Mexico. And on Saturday morning, he came out with a statement and seemed to be on the defensive and apologized for what he did and admitted some wrongdoing. Uh, it really stinks that it had to come out like this where he had to kind of backtrack and, and figure out that he did the wrong thing, but it's going to pay the caddy. So, in my opinion, let's put this whole story to bed. It's over with. Will I still cheer for Kuchar? Probably not, but I'm not going to cheer. There's not going to be so much hatred for Matt Kuchar anymore. He did what he did. He made a mistake. He tried to rectify it, and he did the best that he could. So that's where I stand with Kuchar. Rhino, your thoughts on Kuchar? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it was just damage control. How, you know, was it genuine? I don't know. I'd hope so. But, you know, I'm with you. I'm probably not going to root for the guy anymore still even after this. Um, but I am glad that he did come out and, and, and did what he did. Rhino, what happened to that Genesis Open this weekend? I saw J.B. Holmes took down the title. Yeah, it was, it was an interesting tournament. And I'll tell you what, for anybody who says that golfers aren't athletes or, or what they do is, is, you know, not super difficult um, as far as a, a physical workout, uh, they needed to watch this weekend. Um, the amount of golf that those guys played because they weren't able to play hardly any holes on Thursday due to weather. They were constantly having to play, you know, Saturday they played two rounds, you know, a round and a half essentially. And then Sunday they played a round and a half and you could see it down the stretch. The guys were fatigued um, and it was showing in their scores. Um, Hell, you know, at, at one point I thought Tiger had no chance and he was sitting at 10 under par and, you know, looking really good. And then he fell off the wagon and then the leaders ended up did the same thing. Um, but I think, I think that one's going to hurt Justin Thomas a little bit, had the lead was in control and really fell apart. And JB Holmes took advantage of it. And it's good to see JB, um, winning. Um, he had brain surgery in, in 2011. So it's good to see him out there and taking the victory, uh, big field next week. We got the WGC Mexico championship. Tiger will be there. Um, so I expect uh, another good weekend of golf. Excellent. Excellent. We're going to jump right into batting practice and batting practice segment is brought to you by Reliance Propane. Our friends at Reliance Propane 
uh, serving the greater Northwest Ohio for 80 plus years through Alliance Propane. You can rely on us. Uh, I think Harper to the Phillies is kind of a formality at this point. It's been bounced back and forth, uh, what the negotiations are, what that final price tag is going to be for Bryce Harper. Looking around 10 years, I believe three to hundred to $310 million, which is a small fortune, obviously for Bryce Harper, but you, know, you, you pay for what you get. I think, I think it's a, it's a dangerous deal, but it's one you got to take if you want to try and win something. So they're going to take a shot. The more intriguing one now to me is Manny Machado. Hmm. Manny Machado to me, I still think is a difference maker. I think he's a, a premier cornerstone guy. And I think if one of these two teams does land him, I think their window of opportunity to make a dent and make a run to a potential world series is a lot closer than we think. And that's the San Diego Padres who have really heated up and are all in on, on Manny Machado and the team that I've mentioned before, the Chicago White Sox. Uh, you know, obviously San Diego, you basically get perfect weather, weather. You get a number one, you get the number one farm system in, in all of baseball. And obviously he's going to get paid. Uh, you know, Chicago also offers that farm system. Weather is obviously not ideal. Uh, but as we spoke to earlier, Yonder Alonzo, uh, brother-in-law of his, is, was signed by the White Sox in the offseason. So, both teams are vying to try and get Machado's talents to their, their respective cities. One thing I will mention, and, and I want to kind of talk about the landscape of the San Diego Padres, if Machado were to sign there, you can look at a lineup potentially in one to two years that really is formidable, along with a super, super young uh, potential pitching staff uh, for, for the uh, San Diego Padres. Uh, you could roll up a lineup of Austin Hedges uh, behind the dish, Eric Hosmer at first. They just signed Kinsler to that small deal, but they got Luis Urias, a top 100 prospect. They had the number two prospect in all of baseball and Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, shortstop. I would think Manny would probably play third, maybe play short this year until Tatis is brought up. And then in the outfield, you got Fernando Mejia, uh, who was in the deal uh, with the Cleveland Indians, Will Myers, uh, Manuel Margot and Hunter Renfro. So you got a team there of some young bats, some speed, a lot of athleticism that could really make a make a run, along with a pitching staff who actually has seven guys in the top 100 prospects in baseball all in their farm system, led by Mackenzie Gore, the left-handed pitcher, the high school kid. I'll tell you what, I don't know how close they are if they were to land Machado, but they're a lot closer than what I think people believe. Uh, Rhino, how, how close do you think that team could be uh, for contending and, and, and winning that West and, or, or getting a wild card bid and making a run in the postseason? I mean, we, we talk about it all the time, the window. Um, there's a window forming there for sure, and Machado could be that final piece that really opens it up. Um, I, I just think they have so much young talent um, all across the board. It's not like they just have talent at the dish. They've got talent at the on the mound. Um and if it comes to fruition, watch out. Um, but as far as, you know, Machado going to San Diego, uh, reportedly they offered him an eight-year, roughly 240 to $280 million deal. Um, you know, I don't know why he – I know he I know he's, you know, wants to go play in New York, but as, as far as San Diego, obviously you have the weather. And, and the other great thing for him would, would be he'd come in, he'd be the face of the city. Um, there's now with the chargers being out, there's no other competing sports there. Um, he would be that guy and he could be the face of the franchise 
along with all the young guys, if they develop and, and, and get their opportunity, they the Padres could be scary good here within the next year or two. Well, yeah, and two, with all that farm system talent, I know we can never guarantee or nobody can guarantee that that, t- that talent's ever going to come to fruition and, and be the, the guys that they have envisioned and where they project those guys at. But remember, too, those are all trade pieces that can be used uh, to make a deal to get a big piece. And uh, I'm sure they're not going to probably keep all those arms. I'm sure a couple of those arms are going to be put into deals when they get into a spot where they can make where they think they can make a run at the deadline. And, you know, I just think Machado really kind of puts puts them on the map, I think. I know it would be more beneficial if the White Sox were to get him for the fact that division is a hell of a lot easier than the NL West. You got to deal with the Dodgers too much. And the AL East, if you, if, if you did go to Chicago, who has a similar farm system, I believe is the third best in baseball, you could see the track to getting – uh, at least winning that division would be a little bit easier. But, uh, you know, I, I, I do think the Padres have a, have some firepower. I think Tatis Jr. is an up-and-coming all-star and I think a superstar in the making. So I'm interested to see what happens with Machado and where he lands. But if he goes to San Diego, as you're right, he'd be a cornerstone of a franchise that have something to build around for a while and then to help actually mentor uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., who's an up-and-coming shortstop, similar to what Machado was when he came up with the Baltimore Orioles. I think that would be a really nice tandem to have on the left side of the infield. So, without further ado, we're going to get into Hoop and Scoop. And Hoop and Scoop is brought to you by the Black Tux. All right, we got Hoop and Scoop for you. Here on a Monday at Jocks and Locks, please follow us on Twitter at Jocks and Locks. It's at Jocks and Locks, our Twitter handle. We're going to go over the top 16 seeds. We feel as though uh, are currently should be in the uh, NCAA tournament. I know the committee didn't release one this past weekend, released one last weekend. And so we just wanted to go in and see what kind of adjustments we made after this weekend's games. And there's been a little bit of, uh, teams moving around, but I think for the most part, most of these teams are, are probably in both of ours. We actually haven't seen each other's yet, so it'll be good to reveal what everybody has. So uh, we'll start off in the East. I'll do the East Regional, and then you can go ahead and do your East Rhino. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start off in the East, and obviously the number one overall seed on my, on my list is the Duke Blue Devils. Uh, I don't think you can move them out of that spot, even though they struggle a little bit. Uh, against Louisville, they made that Huge comeback uh, on their home turf and, and was able to walk Louisville down and, and won that game. So Duke, uh, obviously, is the number one overall seed. The two seed in that region I had that has moved up moved up the boards, and I still don't think they get enough credit, the Houston Cougars. I just think Kelvin Sampson's done a remarkable job of that team, keeping them hungry, uh, going on the road, and uh, beating teams up just like they're at home. Uh, they haven't shown – uh, much, much of a blemish in their entire in their entire schedule or season. So I have Houston as the number two seed in the East. The three seed in the East, I have the Kansas Jayhawks. They just keep lingering around. Uh, every time I think, as I said earlier, that the Big Twelve is going to have a new regular season champion, uh, some team lets me down, and now I do believe once again that the Kansas Jayhawks are going to win it for the fifteenth year in a row, and they're going to win the Big Twelve. 
everything is ahead of, ahead of them on their schedule. Uh, they're tied with Kansas State, uh, Texas Tech, and I believe Iowa State as well, and they have all those teams left. So they went out, which I think they can do because it's Bill Self in Kansas. I think they win the Big 12 again, and I think that'll be the highest-seeded Big 12 team in the tournament. You're going to have a lot of teams sprinkled around uh, in the five, four, four through uh, four through ten, ten uh, seeds. And the fourth team in the East, I have Michigan State. They took a big loss this weekend, losing Nick Ward has a fracture in his hand. He's going to be out indefinitely and also losing Lankford as well. Earlier in the year, that team is going to start spiraling. Cassius Winston can only do so much for that team. And uh, even though they were able to survive, I just don't think uh, Michigan State's going to be able to repel themselves all the way to March and sustain anything much higher than a four seed. Rhino, what do you have in, what do you have in the East? So the East, I um, have one change that I had um, from my previous um, setup. I have Duke, obviously, as number one. I've got Michigan as the two, Houston still as the three, and then the fourth, I have Texas Tech. Um, as I, I, I'm, I'm coming along here with Texas Tech, this weekend um, will be huge for them, the big game against Kansas. That'll kind of be the cherry on top for them to, to um, confirm how well they've been playing. So I, that, that is my East right now. Okay, very nice. Uh, going to the South Regional, uh, this is where people are going to probably have some kickback for me, and that, deservedly so, and I'm sure Rhino can probably anticipate what I'm going to say. I still have Tennessee as a number one seed in the South Regional. Uh, I know they got beat this weekend. I'll reiterate it again. I think it's going to make them stronger. I think they're the number one seed in the South Regional still, I, even after losing to Kentucky. I think the two seed in the South is Michigan. I move Michigan around just a little bit, but I still think Michigan's a t- solid two seed. I think they're the best full, round, well-rounded team in the Big Ten. I don't think there's really a debating that. Uh, number three seed in the South, and might come to a surprise, I do have North Carolina on the three line, uh, mainly because I moved Houston up and moved. Uh, really didn't move North Carolina down. I just kind of they just slid out because of the fact I moved Houston up, and then my four seed in that in the South Regional is Texas Tech. I do like what the Red Raiders are doing. They're starting to play better basketball, as we reiterated earlier. And I think Texas Tech is a team to look out for because they can defend at a high level and defense can always cause problems in the NCAA tournament. Rhino, what do you have in the South Regional? So I'm going to completely disagree with you. Tennessee, I've got Kentucky as the one. They have now earned that, Um, even though I I had them as a one in the Midwest um, in my previous thing, but we're going to move them to the South. Um, I still have Nevada as a two. They're still solid. Um, no change there. I've still got UNC at three. And then I have Purdue at four. Okay. I, I, don't, I don't mind it, but let me ask you this. Why is Kentucky uh, for surely above on, on that one line for you? Well, I mean, I, I, I had them in, in, as a one last time we talked. I think they're, they've come alive. Um, they had some struggles. But they're, they're definitely, you know, it's a Calipari team. Um, and, and just what they did to arguably, or as you would like to say, the number one team in the country, um, I, I'm sold on them. And I'm looking forward to when they get to actually go to Tennessee um, on, on uh, March 2nd uh, to see if they will repeat their performance. Well, I think I, obviously I'm going to double down on that. If they do that, then I'll, I'll really have to – I'll probably shut the podcast down, to be quite frank with you. Uh, that will not that will not happen. Tennessee will have 
I have something to say about that game, in, in my opinion. So let's get to the West Regional. Uh, the West, obviously, Gonzaga leads us off with the one seed and the one line. The two line, I have Nevada. I kept them out West. I think they deserve to stay out West. You know, if it wasn't for a handful of, of uh, really good other teams, I think Nevada could push to be a one. And I know it's crazy to, as crazy as it sounds, but I think that team is a well-oiled machine. And they're, they're as I said, they're very uh, – they're old and they're mature and they're very confident. I got LSU in the three line in the West. Uh, they made a little bit of rumbling this weekend, uh, gave the Tiger faithful a little scare up there in Athens, but – Managed to come out alive after the big win against Kentucky on Kentucky's home floor. And then on the four line, you've got – I've got Florida State. Florida State just keeps hanging around. And they came over – came down near to Atlanta, Georgia, and beat the brakes off the rambling wreck. Broke that car into two pieces. And so Florida State rounds out my West Regional as the uh, four seed. Rhino, what do you have as the four? No, I'm sorry, uh, the West, excuse me. Very similar. I've got the Zags, obviously. i still got Marquette as a two. Um, I do have LSU as a three. And they've got a big test this this upcoming Saturday against old Tennessee. Um, at home, though, so that should be interesting. And then, yeah, I have FSU as four at four as well. Um, they've really come on. And I know you mentioned them uh, the previous time that we, we did this. And I, I can get on board with them now. I had some concerns, but after watching them, past couple games they've they're definitely there and they're definitely a solid four and, and i just want to go back to the ten, tennessee kentucky argument i don't want to beat a dead horse but it's it's kind of funny though tennessee does get beat up by kentucky but everybody wants to push away the fact the same week kentucky drops a game to lsu who then almost lost a game at in athens well so I, I i just don't see well, how we can have a double-edged sword here and say well tennessee Kentucky deserves to be on the one line and drop the game earlier in the week. Well, I, I think there's some controversy on that. And in a two point buzzer beater uh, wins a lot, a whole hell of a lot different than a, a, a complete molly whop. And, and I also think the Georgia game, I think you can sit there and any W for LSU there is huge because that hangover effect is definitely a thing. Um, so that's my take on, on, on that. So we're given we're given the pass to those other, those previous three. Tennessee gets hammered, and all of a sudden they drop off the one line. I just don't get it. Well, all right, I, we're go, go I, ahead. I, well, we'll get into the next the the, the Midwest region here, and I'll I'll show you. But I I, I just I mean we're kind of going over pins and needles here. So I'll just give you my Midwest since we're talking about it. I've got Virginia at the one, Tennessee at the two, um, Kansas at three, and then Michigan State at four. Um, so that's my Midwest region. What do you have, Dewey? Midwest, I've got Virginia at the one, uh, Kentucky at the two. I think I have them as the best number two seed in the country. Uh, they are knocking on the door, and I just can't not look at that LSU loss and not hold it against them at all. Uh, number three, I've got Marquette. And then at the four line, I've got the Purdue Boilermakers. Uh, Purdue just keeps mm. on chug-a-lugging along. And they don't, they're kind of like the West Nile virus. They don't go away. Carson Edwards, I think, is a dynamo uh, diaper dandy. And I do believe that they will uh, wreak some havoc in the Big Ten tournament. I don't think they'll win it, but they'll give some teams some problems. A couple teams that uh, we left out, both of us actually left out. Uh, one is Villanova. They kind of took a slide this weekend. Uh, lost a tough one to St. John's over the weekend. 
Uh, not a good look for them. You know, they were uh, almost a double-digit favorite. I, I'm, excuse me, they were a, a, a five-point favorite going into that game at, at St. John's and got beat. Iowa State's just kind of lying in the weeds. You know, they knocked off uh, they knocked off a tough Kansas State team on the road, uh, but then obviously they dropped the game to TCU on their home turf last week. Louisville, to me, is a team I can't figure out one bit. Mm. Uh, you know, they have Duke dead to rights, let the game go. Have Clemson obviously up seven with 10 seconds to go and then decide to basically give them the game. Uh, Clemson missed a bunny, or actually two bunnies, late in the game to seal it and win it and missed them both as time expired. So Louisville is kind of reeling right now. Chris Max had to get that team back on track. Kansas State, as we mentioned earlier, has completely lost it uh, after this this weekend. They can rebound tonight and try and get back on track against West Virginia on the road. And I think one team that we can probably slide in if they can make a, if they can have a marquee victory tonight, and uh, they're a small dog at home. And we'll talk about them in our next segment. You lock it up is the uh, Virginia Tech Hokies. Uh, Buzz Williams has lost a ton of guys off that team this year to injury. They just kind of keep plugging along, and I, I see that game being a low-scoring, uh, low-scoring game. I don't think Virginia is going to out really bust the nets down, and I, I think Virginia Tech can hang in for a while. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about who, who wins that game and why uh, in just a second. But Rhino, is there any other teams that you feel uh, we left out that are right on the edge that could get back in? I uh, definitely think Iowa um, is there. I had I actually had them in. As a four the last time, that was just a big question mark. I didn't know really who to put there in the, kind of that last spot. Um, they've, they've been playing pretty well, including a four-game win streak here, including a win over Michigan. Um, they've got a couple tough games left um, with Maryland, Ohio State, and Wisconsin on their Big Ten schedule. But if they can go unscathed the rest of the way, look for them to be in the top 16. I do like Iowa, I think. Uh, Fred McCaffrey, like I said, can get into him at some point, and they flip a switch on, and they, they, they really go. So getting to our last segment, you lock it up. Uh, probably your favorite. Make sure if you are partaking in any betting, please bet responsibly. This is for entertainment purposes only. We've got three games we want to talk about tonight, uh, first of which is UVA, the Virginia Wahoos, visiting the Hokies of Virginia Tech. Uh, Virginia opened up as a five-point favorite. Rhino, where do you like this game going? Oh, I love Virginia, minus five. I'm all in on it. Love it. Even on the road. I love it. Yeah, I, I'm not sold on that yet. I don't actually like either side of this game. The, the number's weird to me. I'm not going to touch it. I do like the under in this game. The under in this game started at 120. It went all the way down to 118.5 and, and got moved all the way back up to 120 uh, before we got on the show. So I like the under in that game. I think it's going to be a super low scoring game. And I do believe Virginia wins, but very, very tight. Uh, the next game we have Kansas state and West Virginia, West Virginia opened up as a six and a half point, uh, underdog at home against Kansas state. Rhino, what do you like? Uh, this might be my actual lock of the night. If I had to pick one, Kansas state's going to, they're, they're hot after the loss. West Virginia has just been atrocious this year. Um, I just – I don't see how Kansas State doesn't pull this one off. As I'm looking here at, at, at the last three scores West Virginia's had, 
they've lost by 31, um, 20, and then 25. I mean, let's just keep this trend rolling. I'm going K-State minus six and a half. Yeah, I like K-State tonight as well. I'll get a hop on your train. Uh, I like them to cover the six and a half. I also like the under in this game. Under uh, is at 131 and a half. I'll take the under, and I'll also take K-State. And the last game of the night we're going to talk about, the Illinois Fighting Illini are visiting uh, the Wisconsin Badgers. Wisconsin opens up as a nine and a half point favorite at home. Uh, actually, game, excuse me, game is at nine and a half, currently opened up at 11. Uh, what do you like tonight, Reno? I like the fighting, fighting Illini plus nine and a half. Reads and being Wisconsin's lost two in a row. They're kind of in, um, in question mark with them. And then Illinois has, has a four game winning streak, including wins against Michigan state and Ohio state on the road. So I like, I like the fighting Illini plus nine and a half. I'll also take the Illini plus the nine and a half tonight. That team plays hellacious defense. Gets in every passing lane they can. Gave Ohio State a bunch of problems. They won outright at Ohio State, being almost an eight-point dog. I'll take Illinois in the points tonight gladly. At a tough place to play at Wisconsin, but I wouldn't put a past them if they were to shock the Badgers tonight. And Asbestos Vili against uh, Ethan Happ is going to be one great matchup down in the post. So I'm looking forward to watching that. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back on Friday. Tell all your friends and family to listen to us on our podcast. We really appreciate all the listeners and see you on Friday. Thank you.